to the Wilderness Tamer podcast. Quite a big week. and had a big guest on this week. Now, a quick shout out to the show's sponsors that make this show possible. First off is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag as a pocket with a self-sealing magnetic strip that is certified to go 100 feet down, and it will keep your phone dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, to save you a little bit of money, use promo code all caps wilderness to get you 25% off your order. My other sponsors is Nomad Outdoors. They have great clothing and camo options to keep you out all day taming your wilderness. My third and final sponsor is City Bonfires. Just like Ancient Man, they give you the ability to carry fire with you wherever you go in a steel container. It's a soybean wax that you can cook over. I want to thank all the sponsors for the support and also want to thank all the fans. Y'all were making this podcast possible. And for those of you that have come on as guests. So I hope y'all enjoy this upcoming episode. It was really a treat. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hope y'all do too. Signing off. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 22 on the other side. This is the Wilderness Tamer podcast. Do I have a treat for y'all today? I've been pretty, or I've been on a winning streak here lately with guests, so to say. My guest this week is Casey Christman. He is the co-host to American Archer on the Outdoor Channel. Let's give him a call and let's get this podcast started. Hey man, how are you? Good. Just Good. Uh, got back to my house and got done with all my tree stand stuff that I was trying to get done today. I heard that. Heard that. Good as time as any, right? <laughs> yep, that's right. I figured I'd get everything set, so all the deer would be used to all the different lanes and branches missing and stuff. Oh, for sure. So they ain't so sketched out opening morning. So if you want, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit, and give then we'll get into get into it. All right. All right. Um, so I'm Casey Christman. Um, I reside in Michigan, and I bow hunt for the American Archer, which airs on Outdoor Channel. Um, it is the longest running uh, archery only show on television for over 25 years. That is awesome. I mean, I remember when I started bow hunting watching todd nelson he got me started on dead downwind so i've been watching since at least 2007. <laughs> oh yeah when did you yeah, get on the show um so my first year on the show was the let's see i, I spoke with the studio and they invited me to hunt for the show in like 2015 uh-huh. and it was 2016 before i actually laid any footage now, like like it was the end of 2015 basically when they asked me to hunt for him, and then it was uh, 2016 that fall um, when I laid down my first footage for the show. That is awesome. What's the criteria? Where? How did they pick you? Do you just got to get enough animals on the ground, or or how'd that go? Well, um, I actually have a lot of people ask me that question, how I got uh, introduced into the industry or made my way into the industry or whatever, and... Um, be honest, my story is just kind of fluke luck in, in all 
honesty, I, I just I, I live in the same town as Tom, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a mutual friend, and so I'm talking probably 15 plus years ago. I was introduced to Tom, and at some point he and I had exchanged phone numbers, and um, we kind of hit it off. And I started traveling to hunt, and we'd send each other pictures of what we had running around or what we um, shot and everything, and uh, it. it just kind of all fell into place. The, the show needed some more guys to film, and I told Tom that if they ever needed more people, that I'd, I'd love the opportunity. And um, he told me that I could start immediately. So heck yeah, that's awesome. So when y'all are hunting, how do y'all go about picking an area to where I say y'all's schedule? I should say for the season. Well, it's it's kind of interesting because I I still have a full time job, so. Mm-hmm. I got to really pick and choose my times when I travel. And be, I, I have to be as efficient as possible. Heard that. Uh, and like, like I'll, I'll, I try to stay semi close to home, like within eight and a half to nine hours from home. Um, and what I realized is that way, if I'm hunting like a private piece where someone's just inviting me to come down and hunt, I can run down there in a day, set cameras, do put up stands, whatever and then come back home and I'll have cellular cameras sending me pictures of what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. So I can have, you know, good intel before I go someplace. And then if, it, if it's an outfitter um, that I'm going to hunt with, um, I'll, I usually just take their word on it when it's good. If they, if they tell me that they got their, you know, their animals are moving and they think we can get it done, you know, within a five to seven day window, I'll, you know, take some time off and go running across the country to wherever if they think we got a good shot. I heard that. That's what it's all about, though. Now, what age did you start getting into bow hunting? Um, I actually started later than a lot of people. One of my close friends when I was in high school asked me to go out um, for opening day of our shotgun season here in Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh, and I went out. Uh, opening day with him and I had to, to this day honestly one of the best experiences definitely the best way to be introduced to hunting I feel like at Lagging we saw I think we saw like over 75 deer that first morning good lord and we ended up seeing probably six different bucks I never got a shot but we were hunting from the ground and I mean we had some incredible interactions I had I had probably eight or nine deer come within five yards of me sitting on the ground. Um, and after that, I was just hooked to hunting. And it was the following year after that um, that, I, that I started bow hunting just because I wanted to spend more time in the woods. Uh-huh. Um, and after, after I harvested my first animal with a bow, I was like, this, this, is, this is what I want to do. This is, what, th- this is how I want to chase these animals. Oh, for um, sure. It's the only way, in yeah. my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and so, like, and basically, pretty much from that point on, um, I, I'd be sitting in the tree with my bow during gun season. So I mean, there'd be mm-hmm. you know gunshots all around me, but I'd, I'd be sticking it out with my bow, trying to get it done. I heard that. That's what it's all about. What kind of bow did you start out with? Um, honestly, I don't even remember the model. It was a really, really old. Uh, okay. Um, that I, I, I was I was drawing like 
143 pounds. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think like the total arrow weight was something in like the maybe mid 200s ish. Like it was a really light spine. I mean, it, it's just, yeah, yeah. Thing. And you know, then I wouldn't, I wasn't shooting anything no matter what past like 20 yards, but, oh yeah. um, you know, it, 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 uh, got the job done and got me hooked for sure. <laughs> Heard that. It's probably a lot more different than the sniper rifles they have today. Because them, okay. man, some high-tech equipment nowadays. That's right. Yes, sir. What are you running now, especially for this season? Um, so this year, well, last year and this year, um, I'm shooting the PSC. I'm shooting the Carbon Air Stealth. Oh, okay. Uh, and I have, I, I, it's interesting. I got to work with um, the Collegiate Archery Coach of the Year, and he, he does a phenomenal job of setting up bows. So we kind of tweak some stuff. Um, and I've got it pegged out. And it, right now, it's I'm drawing around 74 pounds. Um, oh, yeah. And we, when we put it through a chronograph with my, full, with my full hunting setup, I was getting like 334 feet per second out of it. Man, that's scorching. So it, it, it screams, that's for sure. Yeah, what kind of pointy tippet do you got on the front? Um, so I'm, I'm shooting the, uh, Vortex, uh, expandable broadhead. They're, they're actually the makers of the original, original expandables. Oh, okay. Uh, and, um, they actually came out with one specifically for our show. It's called the American Archer Vortex. It's a all stainless steel, two inch cut. Um, and I haven't, I haven't shot anything with one that it hasn't just completely zipped right through them mm -hmm. um occasionally i'll switch over to their two and a half inch cut um and i don't really have any particular reason for that it's just yeah. whatever I, what i have sitting on my shelf before i run out the door and <laughs> drive out of town i just grab what's there and i in like I tune them, like, I make sure that everything's hitting right and shooting right, you know, before I go. But they fly the same, so. Hey, as I long like as them. it works and it hits where it's aiming, that's all that matters. That's right, yep. So, uh, you hunt, you say you're in Michigan. Well, I know down here in Georgia, like, we can kill 10 does and 2 bucks. What are y'all's locks, or what are y'all's laws like compared to ours? Um, so, you can take 2 bucks in the state of Michigan. Um but it, it's kind of interesting how you do. They do the tags. You either have to buy a combination license, um, which allows you to um, take two bucks, but the, the second buck has to have at least four points on a side or more. Mm -hmm. um, and then certain parts of the state have actually introduced the uh, APRs, like the antler point restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, so some of those places. Uh, no matter what, the deer has to have at least four points on the side. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, I'm sorry, three points on the side. Uh, and then I'd heard that they're changing up regs this year for does where you can basically, basically buy unlimited doe tags. Oh, that's cool. Um, can y'all hunt and, with rifles up there? Uh, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. So in the northern half of the state, um, you can use any gear hunting rifle that you normally think of, you know, whether it's a 270 or 3030, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Any regular center fire yeah. rifle. Yeah. But then on the 
southern half of the state, um, we can still use rifles, but it has to be a straight wall cartridge. So it's like a, you know, like the 450 Bushmaster, the 350 Legend, something like that. I, I've heard, you know, I've heard about it because I worked at a welding shop, and they were talking about how a lot of people were getting up in arms about the straight wall cartridges and all that stuff, saying they're like making it part of regulations where you can only use that. You know, I, I have a lot of friends that hunt with them, and I, I could see where people would get upset about it for hunting out west type deals, but mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have I have friends that can they're they're shooting the same hole at 250 yards, yeah, with these guns. So like, I I, I don't know a whole lot of hunters, at least in Michigan anyway, that are shooting longer than that at deer anyway. You know, mm -hmm. so. I mean, I guess it is what it is. I know there's a, just a heck of a lot of knockdown power with them, and everyone that I know know that uses them seems to like them. Like they don't, they don't, they don't complain uh, about not being able to use something. Oh, for sure. And, I bet for like bear hunting and stuff, that's probably the go-to rounds up there. Yep, yep, for sure. Now, where all have you hunted whitetail? Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Kentucky, uh, Missouri, uh, Minnesota. Um, I've got to be leaving some out. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but those, oh, are, those are the ones that come to mind. I was say you pretty much got them all. That's like the main roster there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, this year. This year I've been invited to uh, Oklahoma and Texas, um, but I'm not supremely confident that I'm going to be able to make those work out just because of some time conflicts. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Time is the ultimate thing when it comes to hunting. Yep. Now, out of all the states you've hunted, which one would probably be your favorite versus being, of course, you're going to like your home state, but if you had to pick one, which one do you think you would go to? Um. I guess it depends on the time of year, actually. Yeah, that too. I mean, if I'm wanting to kill a big deer and I have a real limited amount of time, I'm probably going to go to Kentucky early season. And mm -hmm. you, you like, I mean, my my feeling on it, just just like I know Tennessee has that early velvet. Yeah. Season, the deer is so patternable. Like, if you got a big buck, it makes it so much easier to get on a big deer and now and i know velvet hunts not for everybody i mean I, i've been sitting in a stand when it's 105 degrees oh trust me i'm five minutes from the florida line and i've been in everything but my underwear <laughs> it's yeah. just you know yeah. what i mean right right yeah so so i mean you know like i like hunting them early i mean it, it's gonna be i think 22 days now or 21 days or something until kentucky's opener and i'll be down there for um their opening day this year um, but if, if I'm talking about like a true, um, Midwestern rut type hunt, mm -hmm. I, I, I would have to pick Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, I, I've just had so much success there over the years. I just, yeah, I mean like last year, last year, even with bad weather, like we were there the first week in November or towards the end of the first week of November. And it was, it was, it was terrible, um, conditions for like pre-rut rut. I mean, it was, it was 82 degrees one day mm -hmm. on stand, but, but the, the deer there are just huge. 
huge, and they're still up on their feet looking. I mean, we still got it done. You know, I you know I, I took a nice nice ten. Oh yeah. Um, and it was and it was like seventy degrees, but he was still up cruising and looking. So I mean, like I've just had so much success in the state of Wisconsin. I, I just would probably have to pick there. So you like hunting the warmer temperatures? Because when it gets when it gets colder, do they tend to just to shut down? Because I've never hunted whitetail in the snow, not like Michigan no, no. snow. <laughs> so I, I I prefer I prefer as cold as possibly can be. I mean, if I, if I have it my way, I would I would love to be sitting in a tree like highs in the maybe low twenties. Heard that. And then temperatures, you know, at night if they get below zero preferably uh-huh. that that's that that just gets them on their feet and makes them move i mean sometimes occasionally you'll get like when when a front initially pushes in if you get like a super heavy snow like the first day they won't move that well but mm. more often than not they're going to be up on their feet moving yeah they got um, to at that yeah. temperature <laughs> yeah so like i mean if i have it my way like my favorite time to hunt honestly is late season when it gets cold because there aren't nearly as many hunters in the woods Mm-hmm. Um, and those cold temperatures, you know, again, just like early season, make them real predictable. Like if you're hunting a good food source, they're going to show up. Yeah. Are y'all allowed to bait in Michigan, hunt over them yellow acorns? Nope. Um, so a few years, I think it was probably three years ago now, maybe four years ago, they banned um, all baiting in the state of Michigan, mm-hmm. um, which it, for myself, it works out fine because I hunt really small tracks for the most part up here anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the places I can put in food plots, like I, I just put in my fall plots and um, I can really dictate where the deer are uh, coming and going from basically. Yeah. And then I can just cut them off coming to my food sources. So it, it, it works out. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad for the, for the public land guys like, I, I think I don't I don't agree with the no baiting law. Like I know there's a lot of people that just gun hunt and that have to hunt are forced to hunt public. Yeah. And that that really hurts their odds when they can't, you know, throw mm-hmm. some food on the ground for the deer. Well yeah, that's how it was in Georgia. For a while there it was illegal, even though we I mean, everyone did it. But now that it's legal, there really hadn't been an uptick in the killing of deer. It's just because I've also work at a deer processor too during the season, just for a little extra fold of money, and plus just to have different opportunities to talk to people and stuff through the podcast and all that. Yeah. Yep. But either I like it. My personally, I'm for it, and I ain't talking like a sweet potato pile hip high. I'm talking maybe just a bag of corn, scatter it out, then it should last a few weeks. You know what I mean? Right. Just right. enough to get them to hold still, so you can get that good shot. Yep. Now, when you're scouting, what do you look for in particular? Do you try to like find this transition point, feed trees, bedding areas? Um, again, that that it, a lot of it's dictated by the time of the year that I'm planning on being someplace. I mean, like, I guess the most relevant one that I can use right now is um, I ran down to a new place that I've never hunted in Ohio late season this past year, um, and I. I talked to the property owner about where he thought the deer were probably going to be coming from and then um there's a hunting app that i use that um it's got 3d mapping it's called uh, hunt ahead actually and Mm -hmm. um it's got 3d mapping and it does wind and everything else just like every other app but the 
I'll use that and try to figure out where I think the deer are going to be coming from. And then, like, late season, I'll try to find the best food source and the closest direct point to and from bedding to where I think they're going to pop out at. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was down there, actually in Ohio, I, I put a couple different sets up, just going in blind, trying to guess where they were going to come from and set up in between them. And I was probably 80 yards off. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> was, my, was my initial guess. But, you know, and my problem was, like, I, I, I have no doubt that I would have been able to get it done, but I didn't have enough time. Like, yeah, I had. I, I ran down there, and I only had four days to hunt. Yeah. Um, and so it, you know, it is what it is. But I mean, primarily, I try to figure out where I think deer are going to bed, and then where they're going to be going to, and why, depending on a certain time of the year. Mm-hmm. What's about your average deer size up there? They got a pretty big doe size because down here, I mean, at least my region. You get an 80 to 120 pound doe, that's a pretty big one. Right. Um, I, I, you know, the problem with Michigan, Michigan, in my experience, is probably the hardest state to hunt and find a mature whitetail. Really? Um, most of the time, because we have, like, Michigan has the second highest hunter population behind, I think, Pennsylvania in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and our deer are just so pressured and, and a lot of people are more than happy with and willing to harvest, you know, a younger, smaller deer. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Like my family and I, we, we stick to our guns and, and we try to harvest only mature deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a hard task to take on to do it every year yeah. successfully. It, yeah, absolutely. And, and like a lot of years, I haven't, I don't, I haven't taken a buck in Michigan and three years this three years yeah um and it's not that i haven't had some encounters with some nice deer but they just weren't quite what i was looking for i mean yeah like last year i passed up a buck that was i don't know probably a hundred and thirty five hundred and thirty ish inches something like that and i had him at 15 yards for 10 minutes while he was bumping does around um but but getting back to your question about uh deer size i mean if you shoot a decent, like three and a half year old buck, for instance, it it, it it's probably going to be someplace around two hundred pounds plus or minus, kind of yeah. depending on the genetics. Okay. Um, I, I got my dad on a buck lat this past season, actually. That was our number one hit Wester. Was that um, that one on your Instagram you posted recently? Yep. That was a yeah, nice deer. He, yeah, he just got the mountain back. That one, so that year, um, we didn't have a scale, but just based on the other deer that I personally killed and that we weighed out and one whatnot, I, that deer had to have been at least 240 pounds live weight, probably. Dang. Um, and then, as far as does and stuff go, it's it's interesting. So I got, I have a couple. I have a couple of those that I've been trying to kill for years now that are just too smart, <laughs> too smart for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I, I would have no doubt that they're tipping the scales into the high hundreds, like 180 probably. Man, that's a nanner head right there now. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's some, there's definitely bigger body. It's, it's very strange, like, when I go to Kentucky and hunt down there, the deer are so much smaller body-wise than mm-hmm. 
up here. And then, like, if you go even a little bit more north and west, when I'm when I'm in Wisconsin, um, there's some mega giant body deer there. I mean, I, like a few years ago, I took one deer that was it field dressed out at uh, 276 pounds. Jeez Louise, man, that's one deer. You should be good the whole year then off that. Right. Yeah. So I mean, like. It, you know, it just seems like the further north you go, the bigger they get. Well, that's why I was just curious for, like, you know, you see those Canada deer where the horns look small, but it looks like a horse laying there. You know what I mean? So I just wasn't sure because yep. Michigan, it's a pretty hard state <laughs> weather-wise. Yep. Yeah. And it, it – I guess that's all relative, you know, because, like, what I, what I think is a mild winter might be bad to, like – terrible to some people you know but and then like i look over at wisconsin i have friends that live over on the west side of the state and they're talking about it i'm like oh man it's cold today and it's like 15 degrees out well over there it's like negative 30 God. <laughs> you know so, <laughs> yeah. i guess it's all, it's all relative i guess how you look at it. i heard that i heard that now out of all out of all the states besides michigan which one would you say was the hardest to get a whitetail down You know, I probably have to say Indiana when I went there. Mm-hmm. Um, we hunted a great piece of property. Um, and we tried we tried hunting it late season. We knew deer were there, but they also have pretty high hunting pressure down there. Um, they don't have the deer numbers that we have here in Michigan. Yeah. Um, and so it was. In, I'd have to say Indiana. I mean, they, the, those deer reacted to us very similar to how deer do here in Michigan. Like, I haven't, I haven't hunted any other states besides Michigan and Indiana where the deer walk around looking up in the trees for hunters. Oh, yeah. That's how it is in Georgia. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, the the deer seem, and I've never hunted Georgia, but uh, it just seems like the deer, the hunter pressure in relation to the deer, it just makes them so smart and hard and it's it just it, they're both hard states to find mature big deer to get on and then actually capitalize on an opportunity oh yeah for sure because hunt well i mean plus trying to film a tv show and be successful does it ever get monotonous sometimes or like kind of get overwhelming we're wondering if you're going to be able to get a deer down or not yep absolutely last year was by far my worst year i've ever had um and there's there's so much pressure that goes along with it. I mean, like the camera, what I I think a lot of people don't know either is you lose probably 15 minutes of shooting light on either side of sunrise and then sunset. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can't film, like you just can't get good footage. I mean, the camera, I heard people say this before I started filming for the show and I was like, yeah, okay. But then after, after just my first season even, I realized what they meant when they said that the camera saves lives. Um, I, when I was in Illinois and I had to pass up four deer that I would have killed in any state, anywhere, anytime that were all big bucks and we were, we were, we ran out of camera light. You know? oh, yeah. Man. That, I mean, that gets frustrating. <laughs> I said we're reenacting it. <laughs> Something. Oh, God. Now, what are some other pros and cons that people don't you don't think people realize for doing a hunt in their TV show? Oh uh, well, the the time away from home is a huge thing, and I mean, thank God for my 
wife and God bless her because she she allows me the time to be away. I mean, there's there's in the fall, I'll I'll come home or I'll go hunt for a week. I'll come home for a day. Last year we actually had less than a full twenty four hours, and I was turning around and back out the door again, <laughs> going to another state. I heard um, that. And, you know, being away from your family and friends and, like, living on the road, it's just not. Oh, yeah. I know. Trust me. I'm in the same boat. (laughs) And then, um, you know, it it, it does get very frustrating. And you feel that pressure when you're not putting an animal on the ground, when you're hunting some of the best states. I mean, like, last year, last year I hunted Nebraska, Kentucky. Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and I forget what the other two were. And I only put one deer down. Yeah, that's and a lot of hunt, hunting. I, I, I hunted some of the best big buck states in the country, and we and we weren't even getting our eyes on big deer. Like we knew they were there, we just weren't <laughs> like mm-hmm. nothing. I, I couldn't catch a break. We, we we couldn't even lay down any footage yet. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah, so I'm really hoping that this year this year turns out a little bit better than that. Yeah, I imagine with COVID and all that stuff, too, it probably didn't help going from state to state dealing with all that mess, too. Yeah, and it, it, it was – the strange thing about that, actually, was traveling from state to state, seeing that how people reacted differently. Like, some, some of the states we went to, everyone was wearing a mask every place you went, and everything was shut down Another the next state over – you know, all their fast food places and gas stations were open and, like, no one was wearing a mask. And if you were wearing a mask, everyone looked at you like a weirdo. And then mm-hmm. vice versa, and the state right next door. So it was just, yeah. it, was, it was very, very strange. It, that whole situation is, man, and it's going to definitely go down in the history books as one of the blunders of a human time, or modern human times, I should say. Sure. Now, what kind of stands do y'all like to run? Um, I... Really, I don't have a preference. I, mm-hmm. I'm more about um, height. Uh, I I prefer to have my feet at at least 22 feet up. That's that's up there. <laughs> um, I've had sets. It's funny actually. We've hunted a few sets. One of my one of my cameramen that travels with me frequently. He's I think he's still a little upset for this one. We were down in Kentucky and we were in. I got to the set, we were going up, and the shooter stand, the platform, was at 43 feet. Holy crap. <laughs> um, and his stand was above mine to film from, and he, he wasn't really a fan of that. But Yeah, um, I get a little jelly leg looking down on that one. Right, yeah. So, And, uh, and there, there's certain reasons for that. I mean, like, where we thought the deer were coming from off this ridge, they would have been at eye level with us if we were at, like, 20 feet. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure we were above them so they weren't looking at us when they were coming down. So, like, late season, and even even post-rut, a lot of the time I'll spend a lot of time in ground blinds. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, like today, for instance, I, I put out three. I got three ground blinds out, um, and I brushed them in just so the deer are going to be used to them, and I probably won't even sit them until uh, probably mid-November. What kind of ground blinds are you using? Um, uh, there's a bunch of different ones that 
I like, but for filming purposes, I like any of them that completely open up. Um, like like a, you can slide the whole wall down. So like kind of like the old ones, double bull blinds in a way. Yeah, kind of, any anything that resembles that. Like I think the ones that I have out there right now that I set today are made by uh, Rhino blinds. Oh yeah, I got a buddy just got one of those for turkey season this past turkey season. Yep. So um, I like those. I really like the the double bulls when I've hunted from them. Um, they and it seems like to me you're you're actually getting what you pay for. Like I, I've over my time now hunting, I've used I've gone through so many ground blinds that you know rip and tear and fall apart and oh yeah everything. And the the double bulls seem to be really high quality, but the the rhino blinds are incredibly durable mm. um and they're like a third of the price yeah that too that um, matters so i i've been i've been running those you know in for like blinds for instance we don't have a um blind sponsor currently i don't think for the show yeah so i can you know use whatever whatever product i'm wanting to do mm. um and you know and those rhinos seem to work out real well they're easy to set up and i just i, I like spending time with them oh yeah that's a good way to hunt because you can be mobile now when you're hunting do you tend to like do a long sit or do you get down and maybe move to another stand or like for me hunt public land hunting i hunt out of a lock on a lot and i'll sit one more i'll sit in a spot in the morning that i might move a little bit further down for the evening hunt it just depends but what do you tend to do um so Early season and late season, I only hunt evenings. Okay. Um, and my, well, I'm not, I guess I shouldn't say all I only do. Most of the time, 99% of the time, I'm only hunting evenings, early season and late season. Unless I have a deer on camera that I know almost for 100% certainty is going to show up, I won't hunt in the morning. But, um, so I hunt, I hunt evenings or whatever, early, late, and then, when bucks actually get up on their feet and start cruising and looking for does, and they might be spending some more time on whether it's scrape lines or edges of fields or just out looking for does a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I'll spend a heck of a lot more time on stand. And usually what I'll do when when those bucks actually start looking for recept- the first receptive does, I'll spend mornings hunting as close to bedding areas as I possibly can without bumping does. Yeah. Um, and then for uh like evening hunts i usually get out of the stand for maybe an hour maybe like uh, and i'm talking from like november 1st through november 20th i'll get out of the stand for maybe an hour in the middle of the day and switch to a spot closer to a food source that i know a bunch of does are going to be coming to yeah now do, um, do y'all use like urine scents and all that for the rut or are y'all just trying to find hot like a good traffic area and hope a hot doe passes through uh, both actually. I try, I try yeah. to, <laughs> that's I what try, you want. I try to, I try to up my odds as best I can. So I'll, I'll sit in an area where I'm hoping that a hot nose is going to be coming through. And um, my best success that I've had um, is using the like the uh, Conquest Sense products. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'll use um, VS1. Their uh, that's like their doe ester scent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll also uh, occasionally. Occasionally, depending on the size of the year that I know I'm in the area, put out uh, you know some of their dominant buck stuff too. Yeah. Now, but, so. uh, 
getting back, you kind of answered this question before, but when have you noticed your m more mature bucks move kind of across your whole, the whole states you've hunted? Is there a correlation or has it been like totally different every time? Um, it's, it, it seems to be different depending on where you are geographically, like north to south, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, every, the, it seems to me that the, the further south that I've gone, everything is pushed back just a little bit later. Um, you know, I, I know like, for instance, my home state in Michigan, there, there's obviously certain things that are going to get deer up on their feet moving, whether it's weather or air, uh, air pressure change or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but it, if I was to just pick a day, cause like a lot of my stuff, I have to set up, you know, hunts well in advance for where I'm going to, you know, be going to, and so I'm, I'm having to just go off general guidelines. Like, uh, like, like I said, Wisconsin's one of my favorite states to hunt. Mm -hmm. I know the the general area, the the like the four county area right around where I hunt. Um, it, November first through the seventh, maybe eighth. Um, all the mature deer are going to be up on their feet cruising, looking. Yeah, you get past, you get past like the November eighth, ninth, tenth time, and all those big deer are going to be locked down with those. Okay, and and you're probably not going to see them. So, um, and then I go a little bit further south. So like this year, I'll be hitting Wisconsin November one through six, and then uh, I think it's like four or five days after I leave there, I'm running down to um, Pike County in Illinois. Oh yeah. Um, and because it's just a little bit further south, so everything's just typically, usually a little bit more delayed. Yeah. How long have you been hunting, uh, Illinois? So let's see, I went down there my first, my first year hunting there was in 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was actually just on a whim. And this was before the show um, that I decided to run down there. Some of my buddies wanted to go down, and um, like uh, I think it was like the end of the third week in October, and we were hoping that we could, you know, find something up on its feet cruising, looking. But it was that was not my best idea that I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, heard that. Um, but uh, they de they definitely got some mega giant deer down there. I mean, like the first. The first year, then, when we did it right and went at a good time, we saw more 150-inch um, deer and bigger than probably any place that I've ever been. Yeah. Well, at, at least at that time, anyway. That's what I got a bunch of friends and family that I've hunted up there, and they say down here you'll see what's a big buck is just a regular buck up there, and you got to let them walk. So that way the, yep. real, the real wall hanger will come up through after them. They said you gotta yep. get over that hump the first two or three years hunting up there. Yep. Yeah, I mean I Illinois <laughs> Illinois, we we it, this footage wasn't used for the show, but um a couple years ago we were in the stand and I and we heard a fight. We never got to see the bucks that were actually doing it, but we heard a fight that it went on for probably fifteen or more minutes and it literally sounded like um Louisville sluggers getting smashed together. Holy crap. I mean, I've never heard a fight like it. And 
that we, we had a probably 140, maybe below 140s inch eight point running away from that fight scared of those <laughs> other two bucks. Like I've never seen 140 plus inch deer run away from other bucks fighting like that. Yeah, usually they're pretty, they're pretty solid in their self. They know what they're about. That's awesome. <laughs> That'd been really cool to catch that on video. Oh yeah, but you know, unfortunately, we had a big hill directly between us, so we could just hear it, but we couldn't, we couldn't uh, actually get our eyes on them. Now, out of all the areas you've hunted, what's some of the crazier things you've seen, either out in the woods or characteristics of whitetail? Something that just kind of blew your mind. Um, I mean, I guess this isn't real crazy at all but there, there's been a couple times now and not a whole lot of hunters i don't believe have gotten to see this i get the i've seen multiple bucks pretty does now um yeah I hadn't, that's pretty cool i ain't seen that one yet yeah I mean, you know that's something that everybody doesn't get to see every day um there hasn't been anything that i would say has been real unexpected or crazy about white tails that i've observed mm -hmm. um but and I, I'm probably going to sound absolutely insane here, but uh, me personally, I believe in Bigfoot. I, you're I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I was down in, I was down in uh, South Central Kentucky, and my dad went down there with me one year. Uh huh. And he was hunting on the the edge of this creek, but it was like a twenty foot drop down to the creek. And my dad, he texted me, and he was like, I have no idea what's going on, but I, I need to get picked up. I don't like this. Something was throwing boulders over his tree, and they were landing down in the creek. Oh, God. And the, the guy that we were hunting with at the time, he said he believed in Bigfoot, and he, he said he thought Bigfoot resided on the um, 15,000 acres that he was guiding on. <laughs> wow. So, I, I don't doubt I, it, man. I mean, there the land can support an, an ape like that or whatever it is. If it can support a bear, it can support a creature like that. Right. Right. So, I mean, like there's been some strange stuff like that for sure, but, mm -hmm. but uh, nothing really, nothing really deer related. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was just wondering. Anything crazy. I don't know if you know who Warren Womack is. He was talking about, he told me about a UFO encounter he had and it happened yep. like 20, 35 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, I, I've, talked to Warren quite a bit, uh, actually. Mm -hmm. So he, he was, I got a bunch of pictures of him and Tom together back when Tom was in his early 20s. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But, I, yeah, I know. I saw an old picture that I was, one day, hopefully get old Tom on here, that I saw he was taught, has a picture of him with Fred Bear, and I thought that was pretty dang cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Tom worked at Anderson Archery here in Grand Ledge. Um, in Michigan here, and at the time, Anderson Archery was the largest archery shop in the world. Really? So um, it was like the old school Lancaster then? Yeah, so when Anderson was open, Tom, and 
I don't know what his exact job was there when he worked there, but that's where Tom started. Um, and every major archer from the world came through here. I mean, mm-hmm. you, 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 you name them, they, they had been there. That's awesome. Now, <clears throat> kind of getting into the TV show, how did he how did he get that started? Did he just start one of recording hunts and it just kind of blossomed into this? So it was uh, the outdoor channel was very new, mm-hmm. uh, my understanding of it, and um, the Wolf Creek Productions, who produces the show, um, came to town and I, and they knew what an avid you know bow hunter he was and asked him if he would be interested in um, hosting and trying out a show and seeing if, you know, they could make a living out of it and make it work. <laughs> and uh, just kind of took off from there. Because, I mean, it, you know, like I said, the show's been on the air with Outdoor Channel for 25-plus years now. Yeah. Um, and that says and something. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, there's not a whole lot of shows that can say they made it that long. And then, um, you know, just to have time is the... Is having the same host or whatever that's just you know incredible oh yeah no that's really cool especially you being the co-host man that's just as cool <laughs> you know what i mean yep. being yep. able to do that because i mean that's what i'm hoping I'm, my goal for this podcast within 10 years hopefully i get to that point so that's why i'll be coming up on a september now as a year so i'm super excited for what the future holds <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's awesome well i hope it works out for you for sure oh yeah man for sure now, if we're coming on about 45 minutes, 50 minutes here, um, if you want to plug anything you want, you can, or anything like that. Nope, I don't, I don't have anything particular uh, that I feel I really need to push. I don't, I mean, this isn't, I feel like it's not directly show related. And yeah. I, I just assume, I like talking deer, you know, anytime, anywhere with anybody, so. I heard that. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I really do. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'll, um. I'll talk to Tom for you too and see if I can uh, uh, get him to spend some time on the phone with you at some point here. And it, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Like we're just finishing up episodes that are got to be pushed out. Oh yeah. Obviously, but um, I'll definitely do whatever I can to uh, see if I can uh, get you a call with him too. Man, I deeply appreciate it. I understand it's the busy season too. Hunting season is just about to kick off. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, sure. But man, I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, definitely if you, I see you like turkey hunting too. I'd like to have you on this turkey season. We'll talk about that. All right, for sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Man, I, I'm uh, this this year. I'm actually hoping I can get to some other states. Last year, last year I had like five states that I was supposed to make my rounds to, and because of COVID and everything else, I just oh yeah, just, just laugh. <laughs> But heck yeah, man, that's why I, f- I was going to bring him up, but I figured donate a whole episode to them be best because I could talk all day about turkey because I'm not whitetail hunting. That's my bird to hunt. Yep, yeah, for sure. That, that's how I am too. So. That and my trout fishing. I like doing that <laughs> for that uh, time of year. Yeah, actually, um, uh, you guys have a big trout down there? Oh, yeah, we have our spots, especially around Cherokee and from like North Carolina, Tennessee area. Around like Asheville and all in there, there's some big oh, yeah. ones. Yeah, you uh, fly fish? Or oh yeah, spin fish? I fly rod fish. Nice. Um, you ever tried mousing for them? I have not. What is that? So, you the the fly pattern literally looks like a mouse. Okay. And you go and you you 
fishing completely in the dark at night. Wow. And as you're casting, you're stripping them like a streamer back to you. Uh-huh. And you will get the most explosive strikes that you've ever seen in your life. Really? It's kind of like top water fishing for largemouth? Yep. It's just like that. But, I mean, these things hit like nothing I've ever seen. We got, we have, um, my family actually had a cottage up on the Pure Marquette River, which is one of Michigan's uh-huh. um, only blue ribbon trout streams. And there's some giant trout there. Well, Anyway, long story short. We, no, you're good. Uh, you're good. You're good, man. Keep talking. <laughs> we, all right. We went, uh, my dad and I went on a trip in uh, uh, June this year. We went mousing for trout, which we'd never done. And I'm not kidding you. There were the most explosive strikes that I've ever seen anywhere, anytime for any type of fish. That, I'll, I'll definitely have to try that. I'll tell my brother, too. He's a big trout fisherman. He lives up in North Georgia. And that's all he does is fish. But I'll see if he's heard about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just get, well, I tell you what, get online, and like on YouTube, and just type in mousing for trout. Uh-huh. And there, there's some awesome videos of them. Like, it, it, it's crazy. It all started, I guess mousing started in Alaska for those giant uh, rainbows that they got up there. And, and it's finally making its way down through the country. But it, it's incredible. Well, that's how I got started. My dad was in the Air Force, and he was stationed in Fairbanks. Is actually where I was born. But the whole time while we were up there, he was fishing. He was actually in the newspaper for catching a big old king up there. And he kind of just instilled in me fly rod fishing. And I've been doing it as, as soon as I could throw one. Yeah, nice. But awesome. Well, I'll hey, tell you what. Uh, this turkey season, we'll, that's what, that'll be our next episode. We'll do a talk a little turkey, and we'll do a little rainbow trout fishing because that, that'll be a full episode itself. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and good luck this season. Thanks, man. You too. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. That was a great episode. I'm so excited to get the chance to talk to him. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. This is Connor Purvis signing off.